Welcome back to Kafaru Cast, everyone. We would like to thank all of you for tuning in and showing such great support. Um, Frank and I, quite honestly, can't believe the numbers right now. Um, growing like crazy, great feedback, great responses. Um, and we recently found out a turkey's nutsack is under its wing. Is that right, Frank? That's what I've been told, and I think we Googled it once. Yes. I've never played with said ball sack under wing, but... I've only played with my own, so... If they say it on Facebook, it's got to be true. (laughs) Yeah, mine's not under my wing. Wait, I don't have a wing. But, uh, yeah, I want to thank the listeners for tuning in. It's been... uh, I mean, everything has taken off like crazy. Uh, Things have gone really well. Um, Great feedback as far as what information we're putting out there. We're about to put out some information right now that... um, I probably wouldn't want to listen to us on this. Neither Frank nor I are, uh, I guess you could say, cock gobbler experts. No. (laughs) (laughs) We just got back hunting with uh, Medicine Valley Outfitters out of uh, Nebraska, uh, turkey hunting, and uh, had a great trip. We we had a pretty short window. We only had a a couple days to really hunt. And uh, Luke from Gladiators Unleashed actually linked us up with these guys, kind of basically a trespass fee for us to get on some land. And uh, anyway, it was a good trip. We got a couple turkeys. Um, I shot two. Uh, Frank? I shot two. There you go. And uh, we brought two home. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So mathematically, without fingers and toes, we were both 50-50. but we uh, we had a lot of questions, so we'll answer. Well, we didn't have a lot. We had some questions about gear stuff, whatever, when we were out there. And uh, anyway, so we're going to talk about the hunt today. Talk a little bit about we went and tried to kill a mountain lion for a couple of days, did not kill one, didn't find a track, and then uh, talk a little bit about our BC hunt that uh, I'm heading out on Tuesday. Yep, yep. The turkey hunt was a good time, man. Um, tough conditions though, freaking wind. You know, springtime. I guess. There's not a whole lot to block the wind out there. I mean, it's just rolling hills. So, um, what did we get out there last Tuesday? Tuesday yeah. evening. So, yeah. we, uh, first first evening of the hunt. Um, I think we just had one day where it was just kind of breezy, but the rest of the time we were there, man, the fucking wind was just out of control. So that makes for tough turkey con- hunting conditions. The um, you you're really not getting the call out there very far. Kind of like hunting predators when it's windy, it kind of sucks sometimes. So. Um, getting that, that sound out there was, was pretty difficult and also hearing gobbles and kind of locating birds was a, a bit of a struggle, but that first evening we were, we, they put us in a blind down kind of in a Creek bottom and we had a, f- a flock of turkeys come by with one, with one Tom in it, but, uh, they weren't very interested in what we had going on and they kind of walked by pretty quickly. I think we might've got them on film, but, um, you know, they just cruised on by, they didn't even stop. Yeah, they said, fuck your couch. Um, it <laughs> we're, was, we're trying to open up the blind window to get a shot. I'm like, Aaron, you shoot. And you're like, no, you shoot. I'm like, son of a bitch. It was funny because uh, what did you say? You said, sweet baby Jesus, they're right there. <laughs> and uh, my back's to him because um, the way we're set up to shoot out of the front of the blind where the deke was at, uh, where we thought where they were going to roost from, but they didn't. Uh, they came up. Really, they were across this river or creek or whatever. And we, we yeah, watched for like them. an hour. Yeah, and we thought they were just going to roost down there. Well, as it turns out, they did not. And uh, Franco, sweet baby, Jesus, they're right there. And I'm trying to get through. He's like, shoot them. And I'm like, I got a market's dick, man. I'm trying to can I make this shot? So then by the time I figure out I can't shoot, they're not really slowing down. I'm trying to open the window, and I'm like, dude, send it. 
He's like, it's 70 fucking yards, man. I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. And then they walked off. And Not that I'm opposed to sending it that far. It's just the wind was was not ideal conditions. No, uh-uh, the, the wind was pretty crazy. But then the next morning, you uh, you got more action than I did. I went down in that ditch, I think. Um, yeah, that was the next morning. Yep, windy as the per usual i was kind of set up on a on the edge of a corn stubble field uh across from a bunch of cattle and fairly early in the morning some birds got out of the roost and they were kind of moseying around and milling around in that in that field and then all of a sudden um across the way there was a bunch of cattle and the ranchers were feeding their cows and the, the turkeys saw that they didn't like it they went into the trees and they never came back out and sat in the blind for fuck i don't know how god knows how long and i got bored and um i decided to get out and walk into those trees and I saw the turkey so um got on the creek uh kind of used the embankment to my advantage so they couldn't see me snuck up I actually got about 20 yards from the hens they were all faced me and the the uh the tom was 35 yards just walking strutting back and forth they ended up walking off I drew my bow back the tom saw me kind of fast walked away I squeezed off a quick shot and hit low um so that was my first day yeah my first morning um I was basically just off of this ag field, like 10 yards off, like 10 yards down, like off this little ledge. And uh, anyway, didn't have much going on. I had a raccoon jump off or some damn thing, hit top of the blind about shit myself. Um, you took a record poo. I did take a record poo. The kind of one, the kind of, the, it's the kind that you want to take photos of, even though you know it's not right, but you want to send them to your friends just to show them what you've done. It was that type. Um Probably from the pizza and mozzarella sticks we ate at that gas station. <laughs> uh, the food selection was not good in Curtis, Nebraska. No. No, it was not. It was a very small uh, grocery store with not much selection. And then you got a, the co-op, as they call it, or the gas station. And that has um, pizza. probably the chicken version of Spam in a stick. It's not real healthy, that's for sure. Said, I said, do you want one of these chicken sticks or whatever? And you're like, fuck no, man. That came out of a gun. I said, it's still chicken, <laughs> <Yeah>. motherfucker. <laughs> and other things as well. But I was down in this hole and didn't really have anything going on. Uh, went out to drop the uh, kids off at the pool, shovel mud. Heard, uh, and it was just windy as shit. all get out. And uh, I heard, I thought I heard a gobble, and I and I low crawled up on this ag field. I took a bunch of photos, and uh, they were what looked like they're going to be feeding straight to me and come down this trail I was set up on. So I went back quick, got in the blind, and, and repositioned the windows, got the GoPro on, and actually had two, three deer come right up to the window of the blind, basically. And uh, But the turkeys did not. They kind of filtered in front of me. Uh, about 40 yards from my right to my left and then got circled around to the front of the blind. There was a ton of turkeys. I took a ton of photos, but I didn't have a decoy. They wouldn't come in. Um, I just didn't have a shot with a stick bow. I mean, if anything, and, you know, I was super successful with a, you know, recurve, but you see a lot more animal behavior. I mean, even the ones I killed took way longer. Just um, just the patience? You just got to wait. Yeah, so didn't have a good you know, shot. And so once they kind of, you know, hell that went on for like an hour of them being in front of me coming up to like 30, 34 yards, 30, whatever it was, 20, I don't know. Um, and looking around, but not crossing this one log kind of log jam or whatever. They would kind of mill around in it and look. And anyway, they weren't having my, they weren't falling for the banana and the tailpipe. They weren't having my calls. And, uh, 
I just don't speak turkey like others. Um, I need what a did you have for there. What did you have for calls? Uh, I had a Lynch 101, which is I've had longer than my three ex-wives, and uh, <laughs> it's a box call. And then I've got, a, I think, a Primo slate call, and then a uh, OHS strut slate call. And, I mean, I don't called in i've called in tons of turkeys with those things and i mean the next day i called them in and killed them but they weren't having it that day there was too many too many hens with <laughs> that tom and th- every now and then a hen would come over and yeah he wasn't having that either so anyway um once they got away from the blind i snuck out and uh, ended up going on a couple stocks and saw about 400 deer on the stocks i could not believe how many deer were in that place um I'd say it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to kill a deer than a turkey. Um, how many deer do you think we saw? Gosh, a lot every single day, white tails and mule deer. And we asked them them guys about it, and they basically said, you know, it's a 50-50 chance of seeing a white tail or mule deer. They just got a huge deer population, and they kind of intermingle back and forth as well. And so what, there's 100 deer per square mile or something? Yeah, in some spots, yeah, those creek bottoms. Um just a lot of good bedding areas, especially for spot and stock those, I guess, whatever you want to call them, small canyons or coolies or whatever they call them out there, um, makes it, makes it, would make it for, for a pretty cool spot and stock hunt. Look like Alberta with cedar trees. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, it was cool. And then we came out. So Thursday was the big day, I guess. Yep. Um, I, uh, that night. I sat back in that other area. You and I sat the first night, moved the blind to where the turkey's roost is, and those cocksuckers all went to where the blind was. <laughs> um, I had one, two jakes walk by within distance, um, and I but I just had that hen decoy, and it's man, it just worked out better having a. I've always had a lot better with a jake and a hen, or a jake and two hens. You're, I think you're the same, aren't you? Yeah, that's what I prefer. Yeah, they saw that hen, and they got the fuck out. I mean, like, like artillery was hitting. They got close, and I didn't call or anything, you know. They just walked over. Where happened? I just happened by, and they looked at that. I mean, I could see them coming, and I'm like, oh, they're going to come in. And they saw that <laughs> and flared off of that hen. Then I watched about 50 other turkeys come down and, and literally walk around and feed right where the blind was, which is a little depressing. Um, and then I thought, you know what? I'm going to shoot you out of the roost out of spite. No, I didn't think that at all. Actually, I did think that, but I didn't do it. I think every uh, turkey hunter thinks that at times. Oh, man. Because, yeah, there's still plenty of light left. I'm like, I'll launch some arrows at you in the tree, you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, so that was pretty uneventful um, that night. But the next morning, um, I went in, and we actually set up on a roost tree where – actually, we, you know, I don't say too close, but they, they knew what was up. They were gobbling and – um, we were trying to get the blind set up and, but anyway, those, when those turkeys pitched out, they were like pitched out as far away from me as really humanly possible, but there was plenty of other turkeys that didn't see what was going on. So I thought, well, I'll just sit here and beat the snot out of Goofy and play on my phone and try and reach the end of Google and just wait. Cause those other turkeys will probably eventually feed by me and, uh, sure shit. Like, I don't know, two or three hours later, um, heard a gobble and hit the box call and uh man that turkey came in drumming like crazy just full strut he saw that jake and he wasn't having it he was pissed he's like all right i'm gonna steal your woman and uh what's funny i mean same thing with the stick right like 
you would have shot that motherfucker 20 minutes before I did. Like, it, it's in the one side of the blind. I'm like, can I take a shot? And I'm assessing, like, can I shoot this? I'm like, man, I better just keep it in my pants and wait for this thing to be right on top of me. So it circled the I thought blind. you said you, you beat the snot out of Goofy, though. I did beat the snot. No. <laughs> he I said know. you got to keep it in the pants. I Yeah, no kidding. Well, I, I guess contradiction it's, it's probably there. frowned upon to do that in a blind, especially if you're not in there by yourself. I think everyone does it. No one admits, especially in boredom. <laughs> and that's too hot. Right? You don't do an antelope hunting. It's just too hot. But um, You're like Ace Ventura inside of that rhino. Oh, it's hot in these rhinos. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, sometimes you just got to punch the clown. That's just how it is. But I didn't have Preferably time for that. it's your own blind. Yeah. Yeah, that's sorry, probably sorry, some, Matt and Eli. Yeah, <laughs> some kind of faux pas, right? I mean, it's like an unwritten rule. Um, <laughs> but though that thing came in, just spit mango out, and that thing came in to the right. Um, you know, I'm facing forward. Right side is a oak bottom, and then a big uh, grassy field on on farther to the right. And it came over in that field, and I'm I'm you know like peeking out of the cracks in the blind, so you know I don't want them to see me in it circles around so then i've got like i don't know what seemed like five minutes i think it was five minutes of uh of nothingness except hearing him drum and and gobble and i I can't see him and i don't want to peek out the window you know like i make fun of people i'm like just sit here and wait it'll be in front of the decoys and then uh you know it got there i don't know seven eight yards away and um i uh, had the gopro on this is all on film you guys will get to see it and i it looks like, a, I mean, it looks like I 12 ringed it, like just hammered it or real close anyway. And uh, arrow zipped through it. It runs off maybe 100, 120 yards, beds up. And uh, uh, yeah, in the midst of all that, another gobbler comes in straight in front of me. So I watched where that one was, marked it. This other gobbler comes in. I hit the slate call a little bit. And he's showing some interest. He got maybe 150 out. This is when the camera, you can see him pop out. Oh, yeah. And I, you can hear me. I hit that slate call. Um, I just started purring. And, dude, that thing just full strut, drum, run 20 yards, circle. It was cool. I mean, the thing put on a show. And then he took one in the fucking face. And he was not <laughs> getting up out of that. Um, I didn't shoot him in the face, really. But he came in and... Uh, I, you know, put one straight through him, and uh, I didn't go to full draw because I was hoping the arrow would stay in, which it did, and uh, he hit the ground, which was super cool because uh, Amy has been pestering the living hell out of me to bring home, well, and you as well, turkey, because she wants to cook it on the grill. Um, so that one's on the ground. I'm excited. I look back, and a Jake picks up this other, is is picking on this other bird, and they head up into the hillside and uh i I talked actually it's something we need to talk about i guess i talked about this on the live story and i got um i guess maybe six or seven messages from people saying that i should not um talk about uh the animal getting wounded because it's fuel for the in the antis um and i i understand your position on that but i don't agree with that I I I personally think there's enough fake bullshit going on in the industry and false personas, um, people acting like they know what they're doing on things that don't, people giving advice that shouldn't, and people acting like they don't shoot and wound animals. And I think for newcomers, younger generation, it's important to know that you 
you know, you're going to fall down. I mean, it's not like I had this epic failure, right? But I mean, I, you're going to wound animals. It happens. And I, I feel that it's Frank and I's job to let people know that it does happen. You just have to do your best, practice as much as you can, you know, do your due diligence. And if you do hit it, do everything you possibly can to, to try and find it. Um, yeah, I think it just what it comes down to is nobody's perfect, man. Um, and it's not like you don't practice. Say, you know, say that happened and you hadn't been practicing, you just picked up your bow, then yeah, it is kind of bullshit. But with the amount that we practice, um, yeah, stuff, I mean, stuff just still does happen. I don't know anybody that's bow hunted or especially bow hunted turkeys and hasn't had to either put another arrow in it or hasn't wounded one and had it get away. The vitals on a turkey are pretty damn small, so. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, um, this happened... In in sixteen, when uh, we were hunting elk, I, I hit that elk in the leg, um, and we got a bunch of people saying that you should have punched your tag. It's illegal to keep You're hunting. Like, I'm not punching my tag. I'm punching my clown yeah. in the blind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess that would have been the tut in that case because we never blind. But um, so you know, I called the Department of Wildlife, which um, I'm trying to do with anything like this anymore, and they were very clear in three different states that. For their tag allocations, they this is in their algorithm. This is in the numbers they figure out that there's a X amount of number of animals wounded. Um, as long as you have done your due diligence to look for that animal to your the farthest extent of your ability, um, and you cannot find it, that it is a hundred percent okay and encouraged to go hunting. It's not encouraged to wound animals, obviously, but they're you know you're more than welcome to keep hunting. It's a personal choice. I've seen people you know, clip a leg and tag a, you know, tag. And I've seen other people do far more like unethical stuff, like not even go look. So, but in this case, did the turkey die? I mean, there's a good chance. I mean, I'd say 50, 50 that the turkey died. I would have kept hunting. Um, there's extremely high population of turkeys in this area. Um, you know, if you're going to criticize me for that, I guess more power to you. Let's say if the turkey population was lower, I mean, we're talking about a turkey here, so there's generally no low turkey populations in a lot of the areas in Nebraska. But if that was the case, different. But in this case, one, I didn't keep hunting because we were had to go home anyway. I don't think I would have punched my tag. There were shitloads of turkeys. If the uh, guys that owned the land didn't mind, they said, man, there's plenty of birds. Um, I want to eat that motherfucker. I'm going to keep hunting. Um, different situation with lower numbers, I guess, maybe. But uh, anyway, we looked. What happened after that, Jake ran that bird off I shot, which was a big tom, ran up the hill, um, got on the spotter, saw where it bedded down, stalked in on it again an hour later, got a couple shots off at it, didn't kill it, blew some feathers off, and it went into some cedars and bedded again. So we gave it some time, went back in, grid searched, and we couldn't find it. Um, Which leads me more to believe it maybe did live, but, uh, you know, it looked like a really good shot. The the thing was is as far as me talking about that, I I really think it's important that people know that no one is perfect. I mean, and, and Frank said it a minute ago, no one is perfect. Shit happens. And I would much rather let people know within reason what's going on, what you should do, you know, do your best to find it. I mean, practice as much as you can, rather than just totally erase all of that and just show the glory of the one shot I had and fake the funk on the rest of the shit so people don't see it. Yeah, I mean, I try to look at things how I would look at it on the outside looking in, I guess. 
and personally i i appreciate honesty more than just you know having some fake persona like you were saying like a lot of the outdoor industry has with everybody being perfect and putting that perfect shot on and not showing the failures because i think that's part of what makes being successful so awesome is that you you overcame um the shit that went wrong so yeah, I that's mean, how I see it. Rogan least. actually made a post the other day with that girl trying to hop on that box, and and he said, "This is life in a video, and it's just a young girl trying to do a box jump over and over and over, fails. She just fails, 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 and then finally she she fucking makes it, which is crazy for a little kid. And she's on the top just yelling. And he said, "You know, this is life, which is I'm not comparing." I mean, it's not like some great fucking adversity hitting a turkey and not finding it. I'm just saying <laughs> that it, there's a collective of, of um, you know, your past history is kind of a collective of, of positive and negative things that have happened, successes and failures. And if all you post is nothing but successes, people, when they have a failure, may may think like, oh, my God, you know, like I failed, whatever. Where if they see someone else that, that may be of some notoriety or, or at least in the public's eye, they can relate to it, may not feel as bad, and then learn from it. Like, all right, what'd you do different? Like, in my case, I'm shooting a bigger broadhead, 100%. Like, number one. With a shotgun show attached to the end. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to call it the jelly leg. <laughs> uh, well, what did I do when I got back? I ordered those double XL um, silver flames, those big cutting diameter heads. And... Uh, I was either going to shoot those or tree sharks if I'm on turkey again. Um, nothing wrong with the head I shot. I just wanted a bigger cutting diameter. I don't think I could have practiced more. I don't know that I would have hit it any different. Um, I, I mean, it looked like a great shot. So what do you do? Um, it is what it is. But we didn't end up finding that bird. And then you didn't have much going on that day, did you? I don't think so. Or maybe that was, I think one one of the evenings um, I did shoot a turkey low, looked for it forever. For whatever reason, on this trip, I was shooting super low. Um, we looked for it all evening. I mean, that's one thing about Eli and Matt. You know, if you shoot something, they're not just like, oh, I'll go shoot another one. They're like, we're going to look for this motherfucker, even if it is a turkey. And, um, yeah, didn't end up finding it. So that was kind of my evening. Um, kind of slow other than that, just. The, I think the fact that the, we had so much wind those days just made for pretty slow hunting conditions. Because I've been on, I mean, I've hunted turkeys and some days, you, I mean, especially here in Colorado, I've never shot one out of a blind in Colorado, but you go from one stock to another because that's mainly what I've done. But um, yeah, it was it was a bit slow for the first couple of days. Yeah, yeah. And we did some spot and stock um, hunts, which is difficult with the, the recurve, not impossible. Um, you know, I about got a shot on a couple with uh, with Eli and, uh, uh, you know, just shots that I done, I just didn't, I might, I might have, I mean, I could have shot, I might have hit him, I might not have, but I didn't shoot. Um, but it was, uh, oh, that was one thing, uh, setups, what we were using. So we had a prototype pack for one. It's the prototype initially was the whitetail turkey hunting Eastern pack where you can attach it to a frame, put your ground blind or tree stand sticks between the frame and the bag and then detach it and wear it at normally as a day pack. As it turns out, probably a lot of people will elk hunt with it too. Um, and so we were testing that out, kind of the final testing. And uh, bow-wise for me, I was shooting a Black Widow PSA. It's uh, 62 inches long. It's about 58 pounds at my draw length. And I was shooting 
the Valkyrie system with the, and I guess I'm pronouncing that wrong, but I like the way I say it, so I'm going to keep saying what it do they that say? way. Valkyrie? The fuck? I've had several people say, hey, not to be one of those guys, but you're saying it wrong. I'm going to go ahead and keep saying it wrong, folks. I like I've Valkyrie. Heard that it makes me feel like a Viking. Elsewhere before, and they've always said Val- Valkyrie. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Your English sucks. I was shooting Brent Hans. Uh, or is it German? Uh, system up front. Um, it's a 250 grade head with the aluminum collar. I was shooting gold tip Pierce uh, platinum 300s. I had five inch, three five inch chicken wings, five inch gateway feathers. Um, and uh, oh, people ask, I was shooting a mountain muffler bowstring. Um, that's what that that is on my bow on both of my my black widows. And then uh, you know, as far as um, you know, just speed or whatever else. I've had a lot of questions about that, not necessarily for Turkey. I'm shooting about 182, 184 out of both of the bows with that system. I think that arrow weighs 588 grains. Is um, that considered fast for a stick bow? Uh, good or speed. Or is that average? Uh, for that arrow weight, that's good speed, yeah. Um, you, you know, you get a lot of – one thing I've found with traditional archery, you know, I'll get a lot of guys that tell me some numbers. That I just haven't seen the numbers they're talking. Um, if you're shooting – 10 grains per inch, which I am, in my opinion, um, you're looking in the 170s to low 180s for almost every bow. Not all bows, but most bows, you're going to be 170s to 180s uh, with 10 grains per inch, which right now I'm shooting just over 10 grain per inch. Obviously, I can shoot less weight or less arrow weight and shoot more speed, but at my draw length, which is 29 and a half roughly, um, 10 grains per inch, you're, you know, looking at low 180s to high 170s, you know, you drop the draw length, you're obviously going to lose, you know, still shooting 10 grains per inch, you're going to shoot slower. It's good speed. I mean, I don't, I've heard people, oh yeah, I'm getting 200 feet per second with this setup. Maybe, maybe they are, but not from what I've seen. You have to drop air weight to get that type of speed and I am super comfortable with a point on at 40 with a 580 to 600 grain arrow um you know and so that's what I'm I'm shooting now you were shooting your your stormtrooper prime bow weren't you yeah I brought the prime rival out there kind of have it set up for target right now I just I didn't quite have my hunting bow set up to where I wanted it so I brought the uh, brought the rival out uh shooting Easton hex um 330s I think they have around, I have 175 up front on those. Um, I think total arrow weight, if I remember right, is around 440 grains total. Um, Shooting the G5 uh, dead meat broadheads, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, what are you shooting? You got a AAE stabilizer system. The whole whole shebang, huh? Yeah, AAE backcountry kit. I was just using that front, um, the front stabilizer on that one. I didn't have the the kickback bar on there. Uh, I had the spot hog hog father on there. It's just a single pin. Um, And then I was shooting the hamski, the hamski rest. Versa rest. Um, And and, uh, um, there was some comments, which is comical, People need to understand you should really not expect Frank and I to wear one camo all the time. Um, You'll be lucky if you see us matching one camo all the time. It was funny because people were like, oh, you're going back to cryptic. Well, maybe on Tuesday, but on Wednesday, I I think I had first light on and I on uh, 
What did I have on when I shot my turkey? Shit. Hell, I had solids on. Uh, no, I had a I had a merino top, I guess. Um, no, I had a first light merino top and a cryptic black puffy jacket on. I think uh, I think what's important for people to understand is that um, and we've said it before. Not every company makes the best of everything, I guess. Or I mean, it's all up to your personal opinion. But you don't have to wear one of a certain thing. And I think a lot of the time that what confuses people is there's a lot of people that are sponsored, which I guess you know it's it's all right or whatever. People have to make money somehow. But um, that's probably one of the main reasons why they're wearing all of one specific company. Yeah, or you know they want to match and they bought it. And there's nothing wrong with that either. It's just. Now that Frank and I have started this, one of our main goals, and that's not to say we won't ever wear one of something, I whatever, you know, one clothing. I mean, all the companies make. It's not like if we chose to wear First Light, uh, Cryptic, Scree, um, uh, Sitka, that we're going to be hindered by wearing just that. It's just, you know, not being um, sponsors allows us to wear everything and you cannot speak intelligently about all products in my opinion, if you haven't tried all of them. And so when we say, Hey, this is really good. This isn't cause we just bought it and it's really good. This is because we've used everything. We probably got it all for free, but we've used everything. Um, and we really like one specific thing like, Oh, the anorak jacket from, uh, cryptic. I really like that type of jacket. It's a longer jacket. It goes almost down to your knees. Uh, it's rain gear, uh, Gore-Tex, and then the, or excuse me, it's uh, fleece, so it's a wind blocker. It's super warm, but then you look at rain gear. Um, I wore that Swazi uh, longer jacket like that forever, and now Sitka has the Grizzly, which is a longer Anorak-type jacket that's Gore-Tex. Um, I mean, obviously, those are not all from the same company. Um, and Swazi then, kind of... Uh pioneered pioneered that that design maybe well you have like dusters from back in the day right like, like a cowboy like a cowboy <laughs> and it's like a duster basically yeah. but but you know that the the swazis is waterproof but um it's uh quiet uh it's a little bit he- well it's not a little bit heavier it's heavier um the one from sitka's lighter weight but it's louder uh it doesn't have that softer membrane the sitka's does not hold water like the swazi will eventually that's you know because it's quieter um, you know, when you look at like the Anorak, it's like the Nahani from Swazi, but they improved upon it. So the, 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 actually the Anorak from it, I mean, we're going to do a review on it. I, I mean, Frank said, I look, it rhymes with Ray, uh, in it. I think you're just wearing it cause you like to wear dresses. <laughs> well, exactly. I like kilts. No, I don't actually. Um, <laughs> I just really like that, you know, blocks the wind really well. When you're wearing the rain gear, you sit down, it's covering your butt. Um, anyway, the the moral to this story is we're just going to wear everything. And, you know, we haven't, it's not like there's been a ton of support from, uh, when I say support, um, you, uh, there's not one specific company that has so, shown like super crazy full support towards um, Frank and myself or you know, Kafaru. And so, um, not that that's a negative thing. Um, you know, so we're in a position where we can just do whatever and try and speak intelligently about everything we wear. There is specific things. I think that Frank and I, um, will probably use a lot more than others. You wear a fanatic hoodie from Sitka, a shitload. Yeah. It's probably my favorite hoodie, but I probably have three or four other hoodies from other companies that I like as well. So 
Yeah, and then I mean, you look at, um, you know, I like that anorak, which is a little bit different than uh, what most people might like. But um, you know, for me, I like the um, the Klamath from First Light hoodie as well as the um, ASAT. Uh, what's that thing called? Highwood hoodie. The Highwood. I really like that Highwood, and I wear that Sitka core heavyweight hoodie. I really all the wish ASAT would stop using fucking yellow zippers, though. Yeah, I'm not really sure about that. I don't know why. <laughs> um, I wore that a bunch this weekend, too, or this week, too. Uh, but anyway, so we try to do that to speak intelligently. So I wouldn't, um, don't sell all your shit because we're wearing something that day and, and buy that because um, we'll probably be wearing something different the next day. Yeah, and there's, <clears throat> I mean, different intentions or different intended uses for each piece of clothing. If we're day hunting out in Nebraska, we can use just about anything. It doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't have to be technical clothing. I was talking to Eli and he said out there, you know, he his favorite thing to use is, is Under Armour. So I guess it just it comes down to your personal opinion and, and what your end use or end goal is going to be. Uh, the stuff we take out to Nebraska isn't going to necessarily be the same shit we wear when we're backpack hunting. Certainly not. Um, and... Uh yeah, and I mean our gear, you know, whatever. We'll talk about our gear, you know, when it's pertinent each time we do a podcast or a review or, you know, whatever. Like I'm getting my shit together for British Columbia now. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, it was really fun with those guys. In, in fact, if you would go on the Medicine Valley Outfitter Instagram page and like it, um, because their Instagram page sucks and they need more followers. Um, <laughs> They, uh, Eli and Matt are super cool guys. They've got great land out there. I think they offer whitetail and turkey hunts. Um, they, uh, you know, for us, we just, it was more of a trespass thing. We may go out there and whitetail hunt, uh, whitetail mule deer hunt, um, you know, if we get time, uh, this, uh, in November. And then, uh, we went on a, you know, we went on a mountain lion hunt basically right after we got back. Uh, didn't turn anything up, went again, drove all the wee hours of the morning yesterday until the snow melted, saw about a million elk, um, did not see any mountain lion tracks, saw yeah, some was, bobcat tracks. I was excited for yesterday because we got, geez, almost uh, probably eight inches of snow or something like that. It stopped snowing early, um, super early in the morning, like midnight or 1 a.m., so plenty of time for cats to walk around. Um, it just didn't. We didn't find, we didn't cut a single flipping track. People what, are questioning the spotting of the Jabberwocky. <laughs> what about it? I don't believe that they believe that that's a, a animal that was endangered. <laughs> Frank and I and Alex with uh, Eastern Colorado Outfitters spotted the elusive Jabberwocky yesterday um, in full hair. Nasty son bitch, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. We're getting ready to go to BC now. I head out Tuesday. Frank heads out Sunday. Is that right? Sunday? I head out the 6th, yeah. Two Sundays from now. Yeah. So I head out this, uh, uh, not this, uh, or this Tuesday coming up. I'm going up on the advanced party. Um, hang out with Lander with Primitive Outfitting. I, um, you know, gear-wise or whatever, I got some uh, grizzly stick arrows in, and uh, I'm going to try... Yeah, I get a lot of questions about everything. I'm gonna. I've got those. I got some Maasai broadheads from them, uh, as well as the double XL uh, silver flames, which um, you know are great heads. I've got the 200 grains in from uh, Bill at Iron Will, uh, and I'm gonna take those up to. We'll see. Uh, I may be able to sh- shoot two bears while I'm up there. We'll just see what happens. I wanted to. Uh, 
test out that grizzly stick. I had a ton of people uh, bugging me to test out that system, um, that era, that specific arrow as well as mainly, others. So. Mainly Luke. Luke, when I say Luke has been persistent, that is a two or three year ordeal of Luke bugging me to shoot that. Um, and so I've got that system ready to go. I will say that is a badass arrow. Um, and, uh, you know, it's tapered, but uh, just the way the whole design system is pretty cool. So I'm going to test that out a little bit. Uh, I think, um, you get anything new and cool in the whitetail pack, obviously, but that's our own. Um, I think we got anything new and crazy cool gear lately other than I got those grizzly sticks in. Yeah. We got clothing from various companies. Yeah. We got some new scree gear in, um, going to try use that. We've already worn it. Frank's worn the Merino top and, the. Um, is that what's that jacket called? It's the Wasatch system, sc- hard scrabble jacket, and that's their Wasatch system. Mm, part of it, yeah. It's summit camo is what they call it. Their summit camo. Oh yeah, no, but is that in that system called the Wasatch system? They have like two, yeah. They have a couple of different systems, yeah. which is kind of their whole lineup or whatever. But I've liked it. I mean, it's been it's been good quality stuff. I've used it a couple times so far, and I'm not much of a soft shell guy. They're gonna send out their hoodie, um, which I was more interested in because you know we're I like to wear hoodies. Yeah, we're both hoodie people. Him, Frank, because he's from the hood. Me, because I like a hood. <laughs> different. Do different they scenarios. wear hoodies in American History X? I don't know. I remember that movie, though. <laughs> the The shower scene just did me in as a kid. Um, it just was a rough one to swallow. Um, I, I hardly remember that movie. I remember Edward Norton dunking, and I'm thinking, yeah, that ain't happening. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, shit, man. He went to prison. We did. Maybe got some hops there. Yeah. Um, well, I, uh, yeah, either way, we're probably, we're going to be dark for a while. We're going to get to, you know, well, Nate has some podcasts in the hole that he can pop up while we're up in BC, but there's not a lot of service up in the uh, small town where we're at. When I say not a lot next to really zero. And so you won't hear from us for a while because we're going to be up there, but we're going to video it. Hopefully get some good video. Um, if I have room in the, uh, in the in the luggage, I'll bring some of this podcast stuff with us. Yeah, we may do that. We may do, or we can just turn the camera on and record with us sitting there and we'll turn it on the camera. We'll yep. see. We're lower tech rednecks, but we're getting there. <laughs> so again, everybody, thanks for tuning in. We cannot say thank you enough for all the support. And one thing we don't do enough, we want to thank all the veterans out there. Um, we get a lot of support from veterans. Um, and so definitely wanted to thank all the veterans out there, you know, both uh, obviously active, you know, current and former. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you guys like, like always, we'll help you out in whatever way we can. Probably not going to give you our honey holes, so stop asking. Um, but anything other than that, you, if you guys have questions, we'll do our best to catch up. Please don't get irritated. We get really far behind, but we do try to do our best to, to answer all the emails and PMs and things like that. Yeah. Don't forget to eat your spam. Eat your spam. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in.